everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Frank, here as always with AJ. How's it going, buddy? Hey, Frank. Good to be with you. And we have another special guest this week, um, our good friend, former Long Lost Hero as himself, Matt Zimbasile. How are you? I am well. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. Um, we are still in the Daniel Craig era, and we will be talking about Skyfall in this week's episode. And um, we thought that we would bring you on, ZB, because um, I, I feel like this is one of those movies that uh, we probably all saw together, or at least we've all like talked about and have like fond memories for. And it, it kind of is like a different uh, take on Bond in that it, it feels like a very modern movie and an artful movie. Um, so that's why we wanted to have you on. <laughs> For sure, yeah, I I agree. Excited to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we are um, we've been doing the the Bond retrospective um, going on for several weeks now. Uh, we'll be moving into Spectre and later into uh, No Time to Die once it comes out later this fall. Uh, but so uh, ZB, you just rewatched it. I watched it. I think on Friday night. AJ, when did you watch it? I watched it immediately after the last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't to, wait, could you? I, yeah, I wanted to move immediately on to the next part of the story. Uh, I like um, watching him kind of in succession, having a break about it, and then like getting excited to see the next thing after we talk about it. You know, I think that that's kind of like the way we feel about everything. You know, and it's also fun to kind of go back and. You know, I'm revisiting these, I've been having a real blast uh, so far. Um, I actually have on my phone, uh, in my Apple wallet, uh, Regal Deer Park uh, Stadium, uh, when we went on Thursday, November 8th, 2012, at 7 o'clock. Three tickets. Wait. It's the first one on my phone. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, well, I can tell you I was not there. <laughs> <laughs> no, you weren't there. I think it was me and ZB and somebody somebody else came with us. Uh, but we were dead. I def I think we saw it together in Comac. I think yeah, I think that's right. Um, yeah, man. But ZB, you would have already moved to California by then, right? No. What was the date again? It 2012? was 2012. It was November eighth, 2012. Yeah, I would have been in LA and not back for thanksgiving yet but maybe i was here for like a work thing i don't know anything's possible <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can't tell you when i saw it but i i'm fairly certain i saw it in theaters um i would bet if i went back into like my fandango account or something i might find it myself um but we probably saw it in either like tyson's corner in, in dc or um there was a really cool Angelica movie theater nearby our apartment. So it's possible we went to one of those with some of our old JMU friends. Hmm. But yeah, it's, it's funny to, it's hard to believe that this is, this movie came out eight years ago already. Like, mm -hmm. um, so, you know, this is before even star Wars came back and, you know, this is like Avengers <laughs> is when that came out. So, um, yeah. It, and this is the third, um, Daniel Craig bond film. Yes. This is the third. Um, right. And at and this like, point, did he know he was making more, or was this in his mind? I think at this point, he thought this might have been his last one, because it kind of feels like a finale in a way. It kind of does. 
Um, it you know the way that this movie picks up, it feels like a lot of time has passed in between the the two movies. Um, like four years between releases, but like many many missions. And I mean, he distinctly looks older. I mean, that's just like the passage of time. But like being Bond ages has aged him like the fucking presidency. <laughs> he looks, yeah, he looks like the end of Obama's eighth year. Uh, <laughs> You know, I think it's different because we talked about this in Casino Royale and again in Quantum a little bit that like Daniel Craig is doing something physically with Bond that nobody's really done before. Right. Like he is putting a physicality throughout each of these all of his movies that like is it's unprecedented. And he really does it only because he really, you know, says he wants to do it. I think it's always interesting how, you know, and really off of this film and then later again, Spectre, he always comes about pretty negatively about the experience working about the movie. And I remember that being a really big part of his like, you know, press tour with this one being that he just like, he seems like he hates it. Uh, and that's why I think a lot led to a lot of the speculation that Skyfall might've been his last uh, time out there. Um, but I, I also feel like this was, you know, uh, looking at press that he did for Spectre. I think he said a lot that, uh, Skyfall stands on its own. And I think that's very true, and there's a lot of truth to that. And I don't know. I want to ask you guys what you think of a standalone Bond film. Like, in a lot of ways, like, you know, they are all standalone, right? They all kind of have their own ability to be together. But according to Craig, you know, like, in the oeuvre of his Bond work, like, he thinks of that one as a standout alone one. Do you think that that's, like, a good trend for bond i mean I, I i don't know if that's like because if he loves this one so much more will he ever love another one similarly will he love the new one i think um i think well me being someone that hasn't been watching the previous two or any of the others like you guys have and just kind of coming in and not having watched a james bond film in probably some time this totally works as a standalone film i mean like you don't really need to know what happens before Yes, at the end, he gives him another mission, but that could happen in every James Bond movie. Like, th- I think this movie totally works as a standalone film, and which is maybe why it, it's um, so revered and, and remembered in, in such a positive way. But, like, I don't think that's the future of the franchise. I mean, it's it's a franchise that spans, you know, 50-plus years. It um, the, the great thing about it is they'll always be a James Bond and there'll always be more stories to tell. Um, could they cast a new Bond to every movie? That'd be kind of crazy. I don't know. Right. That could be cool. That certainly would be an interesting experiment. <laughs> that, that would be just like everyone gets a go at it. But then it, I, then it devalues, I think what's so special about like being a Bond, you know, there's only what five or six actors that play James Bond. Like if there's yeah. like, so, if they're suddenly like 20, then like it, it, it kind of devalues, I think the brand. Yeah. I hear you. Um, I agree. Uh, I think that this movie standing alone, um, is, is really a, an interesting thing. Um, it, because it, it stands alone, but it feels different than any of the other bonds. Like this is because we've been in, in the context and, and know what Daniel Craig could do as James Bond and, and have a story that like, Oh yeah, you remember those first two? Like we're just dropping those plot threads. There's no like connectivity. Um, right. This is Bond. Like they they talk about the history 
of the character and the relationships in the movie itself. I mean, cause that's what this is all about. It's about like what happened in the past, but like we never saw that. And right. And I think it, it, it holds its own. Um, obviously like the next movie, they, they kind of backtread on that a little bit and, and try to connect all the dots together. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think what they need to make, sure they do is to make a really strong movie first and then you know connect it to the franchise after after that Mm -hmm. yeah i think that the you know we've seen them take every approach and i don't know i just think after watching this movie i just it's so visually beautiful like and i think that real the real reason why uh matt's here is to kind of talk about that and like the the dp of this movie is like a real famous guy uh, and, and like, it's just, it looks un, unlike any other movie before it. And it kind of, I, I don't know, like there's just something about the way that this movie looks and feels that I think it, it does kind of separate it as like its own piece. Like, I think you could definitely start here. It's a great entry. It's definitely something you could show somebody who'd never seen Bond before ever. Um, but I don't know. I, uh, I, I don't, I don't want the future to be all, you know, standalone or or just a franchise like and i also want them to go out with a plan like from the beginning like and that's something that you see here in this movie that's interesting is the two guys purvis and wade are fired after this movie and it's the next guy the guy that mendez brings on who ends up writing specter ha 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 interesting interesting um so yeah we all i like this movie you guys like this movie right yeah yes perfect okay i think we've waxed spoilers enough and like we can get kind of right into uh the plot and like what makes this movie pretty fun um and i think uh it's so great to start with a banging opening pre uh you know credits pre-song scene uh this one is fucking bonkers (laughs) bonkers it's so good it like just like the way it sh- it shows up and you see it like the light on his eyes and the music hits it's like we're here go yeah yeah no no time to waste um just kind of starts off with a bang um and just yeah i mean it's crazy for me like i'm watching the movie and i'm like oh man from a production standpoint this feels like a the biggest headache in the world. There's so many extras. There's so many people. There's so many cheap. I'm like, it's just like, it's one of those things that like, if you work in the business and you're just like, how, how is this done? It's just like, it's, it's production executed at the highest level. Um, and then, and then I guess, you know, the dirt bike chase and then eventually to the train, which Daniel Craig did his own stunt for on the train. Um, it wasn't moving as fast, but it was definitely moving, which is crazy. And, um, and yeah, just that whole, that whole sequence is pretty like, holy shit, here we go. And it also like, it just throws you in and it's like, they, they tell you, okay, he's looking for a hard drive. Is the hard drive there? No, that's all you need to know. And he's chasing this guy to get the hard drive. There's another agent that's down. You see Bond try to try to help him. And like, it's like, okay, maybe he's matured a little bit. He wants to, you know, help the people around him, but like M is pushing him forward. Um, and yeah, I mean the, 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 the sequence afterwards is just so, so excellent. Um, I really can't like speak highly enough about it. Um, everything on the rooftops, uh, and like, then there's this like excellent shot of when 
uh, Bond jumps from the one part of the train to the other, and mm-hmm. then he like lands, adjusts his jacket, fixes his cuff, and keeps going. It's like so stylish, and it's so subtle, but it like it makes all the world of a difference. Okay. So Mendez on the special features, he says that he wanted this opening sequence to kind of like unfold kind of, and like feel like a Russian doll that it would like, it would be, you know, a car chase into a motorcycle chase into the rooftops, into the train, into, you know, the, the credits. And I think he totally like achieves that. And I think that the action is, is really well thought out and done. I also love money penny in the car that we were not introduced to her. We don't know her name. They're not yelling her name about and we're just like, she's in the car, they're on their way, they're trying to deal with what's going on. Uh, they flip that car, they get on uh, the dirt bikes, they're riding in Istanbul, Turkey, which is like a really beautiful location uh, that I don't think they do well enough with in World Is Not Enough. Uh, mm. And like, they really blow it up out of the water here. Um, yeah, it's nuts that he did that stunt on his own. That's a crazy thing. That is a crazy thing. Um, so then let's talk about Money Penny taking the shot. Yeah. The balls on this movie. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're just like, okay, you know, I don't have a clean shot. This is where, you know, we start to question ends everything. Right. Um, but so he gets hit and then he falls what looks like hundreds of feet. <laughs> I mean, I know he's James Bond, but he's also not invincible. Like, right. he would he would be dead, right? Well, he was also already shot before that with like the right. the fragments. Right. That, that was the, right. That was no problem. <laughs> so and like, you see him floating is, through is the water. Like, yeah, and then like go down a giant waterfall. I'm like, dude, he's he's dead. That's a dead person. <laughs> So, yeah, you do have to suspend your disbelief in a few moments in this film, that being one of them. Um, but So the fragments are important because, you know, that's a clue to get to, you know, the bad guys. But the where was he shot by, by Money Penny? And was he, like, actually shot or did he just kind of fake it? I don't know. Like, what? I mean, I guess he was shot, but, like, you don't see him hurt. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like when they talk about it later, it's something about like, oh, a couple of ribs or or something like. So, yeah, I mean, we don't see his scar. We see the scar where he pulls out the the fragments, but we don't see another gunshot wound. Um, Which I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay, plot hole one. Yeah, plot hole number one. Uh, When he... I, I love this opening sequence. I think it's easily maybe the, 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 the song like Skyfall, the Adele song, the whole credits, like it's, that's awesome. Oh yeah. yeah. It's probably one of the best Bond songs that's been made. It won the Academy Award. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it sure did. And like, I don't know, AJ and I have been tracking each song and, you know, like the majority of the time, the songs we like don't like say the title of the movie. And so this one like very much does. It's called Skyfall, but it's done in such a more artful way and it has multiple meanings throughout the lyrics and it, it doesn't feel as like on the nose. Um, so Adele got the script and her and her producer read the script and then wrote the song. 
like as they're doing the score work on the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's how they were able to integrate it in. And the only the one part, I wish they could have done it a little bit more, but uh, it it's cool that she got to like read it and like participate and like be like such a contributor to it. Um, and, and it was also like a top 10 hit. It was like a huge, it was a huge song. Right. It, it worked outside the movie world and, and made its way into popular culture and mainstream music. Huge, huge trans transcendation transcendence of, you know, just what Bond is doing on this one. I think it's interesting that this movie, so this movie's like Bond at 50, right, in 2012. Ten years ago, we're doing Bond at 40. And I just think the way that they do, the references in this movie are just a little bit better, right? I think mm -hmm. everything's done a little bit more subtle. Everything's just done a little bit more relaxed and casually than I think a lot of the forced things they do in Die Another Day. Um, mm -hmm. And, like, this shit, it just feels, like, it feels classic. It feels like you're you know you're uh you're watching you know any bond movie it doesn't feel so you know dated in that aspect uh so moving into um the first scene after that i think it's a bond in hanging out in uh paradise someplace where is he that's a good question i mean if, if he was in turkey you know maybe it's somewhere not too far from there i don't know I was thinking Mexico, but then I was like, that might be too far. I mean, maybe they actually shot in Mexico because it's closer, but who knows? Somewhere um, nice. Wikipedia does not say, but it, it feels like Caribbean-esque. But, you know, that's the thing. Bond, like, he has the ability to go wherever he wants without being kind of detected. Um, you know, I guess they must have gotten rid of the, the tracer that they put on him back in Casino Royale. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, so yeah, it's kind of un unclear where he goes, but he's clearly just like drinking and recovering and having sex with the women of the island. <laughs> yeah. And I think thinking about like, this is it like, you know, when, um, when he comes back, you know, they're like, well, why didn't you just, you had a way out, you know, you could have, you, you could have been undetected. Like you could have taken this and, Live the rest of your life and no one would have been but then you know he would have been dead i guess i don't know but i guess he's kind of dead already i don't know it's a it's a talking Re point. <laughs> resurrection is definitely a big part of this movie right like yeah. you know yeah. coming back from the dead uh being dead you know are you dead who's dead the grateful dead uh what <laughs> i hope you know um <sighs> well we can't we can't talk about it yet. My my big my big theory, but we're okay. Okay, but here's what we got we got to talk about uh, going back and breaking into fucking uh, M's house, which I think is a cool scene. He does it again, mm -hmm. just like in Casino Royale. <laughs> you know, it's it's exactly the same thing. And, yeah, I, and I think the the what's implied is a lot of time has passed. They in between movies, and they, Bond has been a lot, on a lot of missions, and they, while he didn't have her trust. Uh, in Casino Royale, like now it's like, okay, what took you so long to come back? Like, it's not played for like, get out of my apartment. How did you do this? <laughs> um, and it's like, ultimately Bond is like, he, he failed and he, he couldn't yeah. live with the guilt of, uh, especially because we see, um, I think he sees the, the agent's shot, right? Or, or the, um, 
He right. saw it on so there's TV. This that, whole that, big, that's what brought him back. Right. This is the right. plot setup, right? The 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 attack in London at MI6. Am I wrong? Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Um yeah, they because we I think we catch up with MI6 uh, M and and Tanner and everybody and they are uh, they have a lead, but um, and then someone accesses her computer, and she's on her way back, and she sees the the explosion, and all the agents die, and and so like once Bond sees that on TV, he's like, I gotta get back there. Yeah, and Ronson, who the fuck is Ronson? Ronson, the the yeah, I mean he's just another agent. I guess we talk about him agent. the whole movie. We never meet him. Yes, we do. He's when... the guy that was shot in the beginning. Right, but the. We don't say see he doesn't say hello. He doesn't have exposition. Doesn't matter. No. It's I, just it's showing that Bond yeah, cares yeah. more about his agents than he did in the past. Okay. So uh, okay, go on. Keep keep going. You do great. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean they have the, the this conversation in her apartment. Um they sold his flat because he was <laughs> dead. Right. <laughs> and she's like you can't stay here. Um, I thought it was interesting that in uh, in the past two movies we saw M's husband, and like later on she specifically says her late husband. So it's like she no longer is like, "Oh, get out!" My my husband, who's not an MI six agent, is is upstairs sleeping. It's like she's just living alone now. Um, and uh, yeah, so eventually they they get him all set up, and they go to the the underground bunker new mi6 like this is also very reminiscent of die another day yeah where you know they have to to go underground and get away from uh the heat of of whoever is after them um with the i think this is a very cool mi6 i like this version of it um i don't know if i prefer it i think the build like the the sets in the old uh building never seemed you know very real it always just felt like whatever but like this feels a little bit more fleshed out and like together about it in like kind of you know maybe it also shouldn't but it, it feels you know cool i like i like that it's like all churchill's underground shit that's awesome uh and then we didn't talk about it yet but we now have to talk about him gareth mallory rafe fines uh this guy mm-hmm. this motherfucker um i think having great. voldemort in the movie is fantastic <laughs> he's great um i think you know you're introduced to him and you kind of like oh man like this this kind of bureaucratic uh guy that's coming in and he's telling M that she has to retire and that she's washed up and everything but like over the course of the movie we grow to care about him and respect him um and it's you know, and his performance is, is pretty solid. Like he's like a, a realist, but he's not willing to get his hands dirty until he does. I mean, I, I meant to say he's not afraid <laughs> to get his hands dirty. Right. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we can start to talk about it here. I think this movie has an exposition problem. <laughs> and I think that something that it does is that it, it interjects it at like weird points. So I think Ronson comes up like two or three times throughout the movie. He doesn't talk. We learned later on that Mallory was like a tough guy fighting the IRA about, I would say, two thirds of the way into the movie when he's like activated and his character is called upon to like, you know, deal with the rising action. Uh, But ultimately, like, I think that something that this 
the the way that like this uh, movie is like developed, you know, a lot of people and the critics at the time so it reminds them of the Dark Knight. I I think you guys had to feel that too. Did you guys feel that at all? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think it it's uh, there's a mysterious totally... villain behind the scenes pulling the strings of, that you don't really understand for like the majority of the movie. <laughs> right, and I just think that the we're about to deal with him in a, in a couple of scenes, but even still, like Silva is the main villain of this movie. It's played by uh, Javier Bardem, who's who's great. He's an awesome villain. He it's not really his fault. I think it's the way that the story is set up in Dark Knight when it's you know the Joker and you and the whole audience knows it's the Joker from however long the promotion has been going on. Finally, you know we know it's this new guy. Nobody knows what this guy is. But we're given a lot of exposition about this guy and reasons we're, why we're supposed to care about him and why he's kind of relevant. And I just don't know if it totally, like, syncs up completely. I think it, it feels nice, and I think standing on its own, it's okay. I, I don't know. I just feel like they underdeveloped it and why it's not, like, perfect and why it's not that one little bit extra of, like, an immaculate picture is you don't see what happened to this guy with M. You don't really understand their plot and their history. And I think it's kind of a little bit of a jumbledness, um, which well, isn't to say well, that you he, also, he isn't awesome. You also don't see, like he's not introduced into the film probably until halfway through the film. Yeah. It's like and after even, the first hour. Yeah. Maybe even later. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe about halfway, but to your point, I mean, yes, there could have been more villain buildup, but I feel like the trade off is you get, more bond you get more bond buildup you okay. know and you know it is james bond's story and yes i know he's usually only as good as his villains in, in the films but like in a way this felt like the end for him and then you know coming back and this is what he had to deal with yes maybe it could have been explained a little better but like i don't know i'm, I'm not watching that film and being like I need to see that. Yeah, it would have had a bigger impact, but like, I think he's pretty good. And their scene after, you know, he gets caught with, uh, you know, M and, and Sylvia's scene after he gets caught is pretty, pretty powerful. And then like throughout the rest of the film, there's like a big chase between the two of them. Um, oh, and he's, he's hacking, and he, he's hacking her like in the beginning and stuff. So there's like, it's alluding to that. He's there. He's in the shadows, which is what, you know, she keeps saying, you know, it's not about what you could see. It's about what you can't see, which yeah. is also a good point for like why maybe they didn't need to show that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the fact that like there are these little bread breadcrumbs that actually Silva wants them to find. It's like the fact that uh, there are these fragments that Bond, uh, you know, chases the guy to Shanghai and then he gets the the coin that they then take to the Macau, the, the yeah, the casino in Macau. And it's like all these little threads that leads them to the moment where he meets Silva. Um, it, it's like, yeah, okay. We're halfway through the movie, but like all the, the intentions of the villain have it. been present the entire time. Yeah, I agree. The scene in Shanghai when they're doing the, uh, the, the sniping scene is like, it's probably my favorite. I I loved it. I think it's so awesome. And I think 
it is awesome. And I think that's the first kind of taste of seeing Roger Deakins at his best. For, for those of you who don't know, Roger Deakins was the cinematographer of the film. Um, longtime collaborator of the Coen brothers. But um, yeah, I mean, just through all the glass and seeing the, um, the highlights of, you know, the signage through the city and all the, the neon and just the, the color schemes and like, you know, the colors are playing a big part in like, are you seeing Bond? Or are you not seeing Bond? Like his every move and just that whole sequence is, is just fucking beautifully shot. Um, the tension really when go. they break the glass, like it's so palpable. You're so drawn in. Yeah, totally. Just that scene had every, and, and I mean, the music was a big part of it too, but I mean, it, it had everything working for it. Yeah. I, I mean that, that whole sequence is great. Like watching bond, like, uh, carry, <laughs> hold on to the elevator as he goes up, like, well, I don't know, a hundred flights or something like that. Where his arm is right. like, totally fucked. <laughs> um, that's a little, that's a little much, but again, yeah, I know but I just believe here. <laughs> again, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I love that sequence too. Like the reflections in the glass and, um, yeah, this, this, like this weird guy that, you know, he was, the one that he was chasing before, like he's definitely a big physical antagonist for bond. Like they, they keep fighting. Um, and ultimately like he doesn't get a, an exact reveal from him. Like who does number two work for? Like, but he gets, he gets a, a lead and, uh, he sees the, the, the guy that he shoots and, um, he meets up with, I don't even know what her name is. Um, Oh, and, uh, Another the, girl. The, the nameless, the nameless girl. sex slave lady. Oh, Hold on. But can we, can, we, can we backtrack a second? Because I think we missed an important point of sure. before, before this whole thing, you know, the bond has to get re-cleared to go back into the field. And I think oh, this yeah. is a big moment in the film and also a great moment. So there's two things that stand out. One is the word association. That seems great. Just love that. And that's, yeah, that's like, good one. That, Frank, to your point, it like just really stylish and suave and just like kind of classic Bond in a, in a great way that really leaves you wanting like, like okay, yeah, this is Bond. Mm-hmm. And then two, you know, M, which we find out later, lying to Bond that he passed and still having him go out into the field when he physically may or may not be ready. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's clearly like, you know, like physically he has like the shake as he's trying to shoot his weapon. Um, you know, even though he takes out the, the shards in like a gross, like just go to the doctor and like have someone remove it. You don't have to do it yourself. Um, and so he does that and like, maybe he, it's implied that he, that was like restricting him a little bit, but clearly later as he's holding onto the elevator, like his arm strength is not there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, whether or not whether or not M uh, lying to him that he was ready, like if she said you failed, he would have gone anyway. Like that's the thing, right? <laughs> so sure. It's an interesting twist on on that dynamic, and that um, we're seeing a lot of M's, um, you know, a lot of her decisions and how things kind of are impacted, whether they're the right call or the, or not. But you know, she's the leader, and like they have to yeah, trust. Just going with her gut. Yeah, yeah she's going with her gut. And she's the, and frankly, she's the one he wants doing this, even if like he's 
you know, a quarter or a half or whatever the percentage is of what he is, he's still our best option. Totally. Yeah, and then we get to meet uh, the new quartermaster, uh, who is... It's a fun scene. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, Ben Wishaw plays the new quartermaster, a.k.a. Q. We meet up with Q at the National Archives in London, where he does this, like, you know, they're looking at a painting of an old ship, and they're, you know, saying how this old ship is going to be hauled off to scrap, obviously talking about Bond and him being, you know, older on, and, uh, you know, giving him, you know, two pretty cool gadgets. Uh, one is the radio transmitter, which is uh, very reminiscent of the radio transmitter from uh, Goldfinger, and a new uh, PPK that is imprinted to his hand. So, like, Love very, that. yeah, very cool. Um, and then Bond's like, this is it. This doesn't feel like Christmas. And he's like, well, we don't do exploding pens anymore. <laughs> and, <laughs> Which is a callback to Goldeneye. Yeah. And uh, I also think there's another one. I think it's um, – uh, which one was it? Ah, fuck it. We're, we lost it. But it was definitely in Goldeneye. Um, yeah, I like I like the new Q. I think it's definitely fun to have Q. I definitely think you need Q. What do you guys think? Yeah, I I like him. I think he's fun. Um, I think he's kind of like, yeah, an, a, a cue for the modern era. Like he's, um, you know, he's really adept with, with hacking and, and technology. And he's like, like he has all these like snide comments. He's like, I could do more uh, in my pajamas before you, you know, even and get out into the field. Like, I think he's cool. He's a, he's a cool foil for Bond, but, but you know, working together, they, they have a, a good balance. I also really like that the, um, that they're very much on the nose. Like, yeah, we don't need a bunch of gadgets. Like the, 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 I don't need to give you all this stuff. You, you've got all the skills you need. And like, here's like, I think the gun is a really cool one. Um, but there's no, like, here's your car. <laughs> right. Right. Missing the car. Uh, but I, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, Do you like Q, ZB? I like Q. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, I think he's a Q for the modern error. Um, you know, it's another authority figure that Bond has to kind of like look to, but he realizes like, you know, eventually that he's, he's a helpful person, but I, you know, I like their little back and forth in the beginning, his apprehensiveness, but at the end of the day, Bond's like, cool, it's great. You're doing this, but like, I'm, you know, thanks for this. I'm going to go do my thing. Totally. I like, uh, you know, that it's not in like some, you know, lab. I like that it's like off location and I like that Q can travel now. I think that that like, it does free up the character to do more stuff. They, they, Except we... he can't. <laughs> he says he's afraid of flying. <laughs> but he ends up, he, we, he shows up in the next movie, uh, you right. know, and, uh, you know, whereas Desmond Llewellyn, I think he went on site for, we saw him in Tomorrow Never Dies. I wonder if he travels in the other movies. Um, we'll find out, I guess. (laughs) Tune in (laughs) later on. Uh, okay. Um, we head out to Asia. Yeah. So he, he, he filed, he's in Shanghai. He, I looked it up. Her name is Severine. Um, and he meets her at, at the, the casino. Um, but not before, uh, we have Money Penny, whom we still don't know it was Money Penny spying on Bond for Mallory. And there's this like great sexual tension scene with her shaving him, um, 
like with the the straight razor uh, and they have a really great exchange there and then they they kind of go off together as a a team uh to the to the casino they do and now we can play a, a game i think we can only play a couple more times but we'll play it i guess with other craig movies did they fuck uh <laughs> frank did they fuck no zb for wait for which trick for for eve uh money penny yeah um no no they didn't okay i'm gonna say no and uh we'll go on the record as that join us next time on did they fuck <laughs> um okay so uh severine i like this scene and like uh the komodo dragons bring up something i think that's pretty cool i also like that they don't play cards in this movie uh um so severine you know she's a she's from macau she has this horrible backstory um he's able to identify this they're having this like discussion about her guy and what he does like you know typical of a lot of these bond movies or similar to the guy we saw in casino royale um and then, you know, she's whisked away, and then as he's trying to escape with the money, the bad guys stop him, and they throw him into a Komodo dragon pit. Uh, I gotta say, uh, this was this was this was pretty fun. <laughs> like, and I like go fight the rancor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somewhere... That whole scene is cool. I mean, just like also coming in on the boat, more you know, Deacon's cinematography porn it's just like so cool the aesthetic the art direction the production design all of it is just like super just super fucking cool um and it's it's one of those like it takes you to a place that you know not all these bond films get to go to it's just like it's just such an appealing location it's really cool this movie does bring back kind of like the exotic nature of the travel and excitement of the travel of like the earlier Bond films. I think that's yeah. like definitely on purpose and like how crazy the sets and the locations are. Um, but something I also saw and there was a, uh, forget the dude who said this, but there's a theory that like this movie is like a, this movie takes Bond back in time that like when you start in, you know, when Bond's in Mexico and he has the CGI uh, Scorpion, you're in the Brosnan era. When you go back to um, like him fighting and like how dark the fighting is in, in this movie, it's similar to the Daltons. When you get to the Komodo Dragons, it is the Roger Moore era because it's like just mm -hmm. so crazy and ridiculous. And then finally, when you get to the DB5, you're back in Connery. Um, I think that's I like that. I think that's pretty cool. Like that, that definitely cool. feels like a descent into the different levels of this is a bond movie about bond a lot. Right. It's very meta. It is. And it's a love letter in a lot of ways. Like it has all the things, but it's not too, uh, too on the nose or too cheeky. Like the, they have the, the references there if you want to dig, but, um, it kind of blends in really well. I agree. And I think that the way that this movie is kind of like, uh, so artfully made and, and carefully considered, like it does really help it to, I think to stay timeless. Like, I think this movie will endure for a, a long period. Um, so, and one of the coolest things I think about it is you get to see, uh, heavy Bardem's, they call it an aria. Like when he enters and he has his big speech, oh, um, God. yeah, mm. it's great. So he comes down, you see him bond has been, 
you know, he he goes and sleeps with Severine. There's a group that flagged this movie because they think that he like rapes this girl in the shower. Uh, I think that it's a little rapey. Um, it's definitely a little rapey. Um, uh, I was watching it was so. I mean, it's it's it yeah. It's um, definitely not uh, me too friendly in this political sense. Back then, yeah, maybe people would just be like, okay, that's Bond being Bond, but now it's <laughs> definitely looked at under a different lens. And I'm not saying he couldn't have, like, hopped in the shower, but, like, maybe a line or two or something to, like, not make it just, like, I'm going to come behind you and, like, slide up in there. But, yeah, I mean, that's – that's uh, it's definitely medium rapey. Right. And it, it doesn't really serve a purpose. Like, it's not like he has to seduce her in order to – get on the yacht she's like oh we're leaving in an hour if you're alive get on the boat we'll take you there so he's on the boat he could have just like hung out had a cocktail but no he he slides into the shower with her and it's very very like questionable uh, right not a lot of consent there i don't think no not a lot of consent and i feel like you know even if during their previous scene when they're having like if there was something that alluded to like an open invitation maybe like there was a little bit of sexual tension, but like not like overtly, you know. Um, right. And she was part of like sex trade. Like you don't think that right. she's got <laughs> wounds that like she would be like susceptible to this kind of uh, behavior from a man. Like it's really kind of fucked up. Also, yeah. who has like a that kind of room for a shower on a boat like that? Like that's crazy. You know? <laughs> it's great. It's great room. Great shower. <laughs> it's it's really it's wild wild stuff. Um, well, to that point, I feel like part of the reason they brought in Phoebe Waller-Bridges in this new one is to maybe, I mean, she's a brilliant writer, and I think she's going to punch up the script quite a bit, but like, I also think to have a woman's perspective on some of these things, and not to make sure Bond is being appropriately Bond in 2020, um, is going to be an important thing that a lot of people are going to look for. Yeah, agree. I, I agree. It's interesting, though, that like... Yeah, I mean, I think Barbara Broccoli as a producer on all of these, like, she's just, like, checking off, like, okay, does he do this? Does he do that? Does he do this? Fine. Put it out. Yeah. Because, like, she's been there for so long that she's probably numb to some of the things, and she's not quite so woke. <laughs> but, right. Uh, yeah. Yo, but Barbara Broccoli is a bad bitch. She is, like, in the front of all the special features. Like, she is on the shit in and out in a way that, like – a big or a great showrunner is, you know, like she okay. really has a lot of, since she's taken over the role from her dad, you know, I, she's had some missteps here and there, but I think she, she does a pretty kick-ass job. Uh, yeah, she gets it. She gets it, but she's also insanely close to the, the source material and the, just, and the whole story. So like, it, it's just always good to have someone check, checking that stuff sometimes. Sure. That's why it's such a collaborative thing. I mean, Okay, so moving back to Silva, um, I love this scene where, it, in the way it's shot, where he like the, the elevator opens and it just one tracking shot of him monologuing at Bond as he's walking closer and closer and closer, mm-hmm. and it's just again another really great example of um, the artfulness of this film um, and the fact that it's like he's telling this story and it's not even like I'm you know this bad villain guy and i'm gonna tell you about my evil plan and he's just like he's like taunting him in a, in, a, in a way yeah it's very conversational conversationalist and it's like 
yeah, there's there's no immediate threat right now, even though he's tied up and there's six guys behind him with guns. Like, it feels very like, let's talk, me and you, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of, um, because, like, the story he tells about the two rats, like, maybe there's part of Silva's mind that um, he might be able to convince Bond to join me, <laughs> like, yeah. join his cause. Cool. You know, you got shot because of M's... Uh, you know, call there, like maybe, but it's not really forced. I don't think it's just, it's not, it, 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 I wish it was a little bit more overt. This is like my thing. Like I, and you can see that he's chewing it up, right? Like he's doing such a great job. And I think uh, or Harvey Arbordam and Silva, the, the character delivering the monologue to bond is really great. But I, the the reason why I don't think it like it has any impact or like why it's strange is like just in the way that we're experiencing it and we're like, what's he talking about? Like, what's the context? What is he? What is he trying to tell tell us right now? We're questioning in it just as much as we are with Bond. Whereas like and and to this point in Dark Knight, we know who Batman is. We more or less know from the past who the Joker is. So when they have a conversation between the two of them for the first time in the interrogation office in Dark Knight, there's like a lot of weight to what they're talking about and what the the whole overarching construction of what's happening, where at this point in the movie, uh, the Joker's new plan is that he doesn't want to kill Batman. He needs to, to fuck with Batman in order to generate his pleasure for himself, right? Whereas in this scene, you see like Silva is coming to Bond and he's, in no overt or particular way explaining that like I am the inverse of you that I'm what happens when an M long running espionage problem goes wrong. And here I am with my great castle and my henchmen and my amazing, you know, private Island. And this is what I'm about. And like, let's go see like how I treat and handle my things. And I don't think there's ever any point where, you bond or even a place where like bond emotes this in the movie where like he feels in any way threatened or like curious or that he needs something from Silva. All he knows is he has, has he has to be there. The names are the names of from the hard drive at this point that bond failed to get are already coming out. So there's like, there's all he's there to do is to kind of advance the story and like that, like to me feels like it's such a bummer because this scene could be so much in the way that I think that they tried to do it again, Inspector, like to give Bond the real adversary, the real, you know, uh, you know, nemesis. Um, I don't know. I, I love it. I do. I, I and then I love the way that they play it up with the the way that uh, Silva comes on to Bond. We've never seen that before. And like right. that, that's wild. And like when Bond's like, well, "Who's to say this is my first time?" Like, yeah, he's perfect. alluding to, to maybe he's he's been in this sack with a dude. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. I I, I think that, again, I, Bond showing up to the island is still he's playing into the cards of Silva because Silva wants to get caught and be brought back to MI6. Like, so right, it's all I, part of the plan. It's all part of the plan. So I don't think it's necessary. Like. Bond thinks he has the the upper hand on him, but he still doesn't. Um, so that's why I don't think it's necessarily that Bond is threatened by him, but I think he's, you know, he's like, he's not paying enough attention to realize that he's still, you know, controlling everything and is getting back and going to go to M. 
Um, and the thing, like, they, there is a line where Bond, like, recognizes him and said, like, where he was from and, like, what agent he was or something, like, oh, where you were stationed. So, like, it, they talk a little bit about the history. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's what makes this movie stand out as on its own is that you don't have to do extra homework. It's not like, oh, you needed to see Casino Royale where they had this other character that right. shows up three movies later. Like, it's this guy is yeah. just part of one of his older uh, missions or, like, maybe they he read up on him or something like that. Like, um, I don't know. I, so, yeah, I think moving forward, uh, you know, he, we have this crazy scene, uh, with, with the, the pistol. Um, Oh my God. Oh, oh, scotch. Yeah. The scotch, <laughs> the waste of good scotch. I heard you like 50 year old McCallan. I mean, that whole scene's pretty great. Poor chick. She's really just like, really just a fucking, you know, just a ploy in the plot, but she, yep. um, which is a bummer, but, and it's funny how unremorseful he is once she's dead, you know, have, you know, I have the upper hand. What, you know, how does that make you feel? That's a waste of perfectly good scotch. He d- doesn't give a shit about the chick. He just fucked. Well, no, like, you know, like that's all like it's, <laughs> we're meant to feel the weight and like that he has humanity and like, you can see he's not like, pleased with the the happenings that have just gone on but we're it we're it's all it's to show us that silva is evil and then the helicopters swoop in that set is awesome like it's beyond it's not a set i I was looking it up it's a real island off the coast of japan that's a deserted island like 15 miles outside of nakasaka dude that's great it's like an entire city like i like the the fact that there's no like beachfront or anything it's just like a whole walled city on an island and uh but then it was just abandoned yeah so you know we bring javier bardem in which is you know he comes into mi6 uh he gets in this cool holding tank area very Um, magneto (laughs) very very magneto um and then you know we bring m in uh i heard there's the another big internet discussion I'm curious to run it by you fellas. Uh, there's discussions that M is the Bond girl of this movie. Yeah, I buy it. What do you guys think about that? I mean, yeah. it's different, but yeah, I buy it. Well, she has the most screen time of any M in any of the Bond films, and it does feel like kind of her movie and her send-off and obviously her end. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, he has other Bond chicks in that sense but um she is i think a super strong presence in this film more so than any other bond film right and and the thing is like the bond girls in other movies don't always need to be uh you know the the woman that he sleeps with you know like just because he doesn't sleep with m doesn't mean like oh she can't be a bond girl like there are other like we've already watched some where like they they have uh, other dynamics and like you know, she's like a mother figure to him in so many ways. And, you know, I, I do think it's kind of um, for du- Judy Dench, like you know, this is her, what, seventh time out as M and like, yeah, give her a, a proper send off. She's like been really important to the, the franchise. And um, I think it's it's kind of cool. Um, it You know, I don't, I don't know. I like that they you can call her a Bond girl, but I don't know, maybe is there like a big argument against it? No, 
it's just like it's interesting to think that like the last two Bond movies, you know, end either with you know Bond losing this girl or you know him like leaving and just like walking off to do other missions. Like this movie also doesn't end with him, you know, you know falling into some you know inflatable life raft and you know moving on with some girl you know mm-hmm. uh like i i think that's an interesting you know way that they've changed up craig's character and i think that in the long line of the female lead in a bond film like that they did a cool thing that i think that they were kind of trying to do in the world is not enough right yeah I, we talked about that on that episode i think they were trying to make m more important in that movie um, when you move on and you pick up, you have this, you know, very tense scene with, uh, um, M and, uh, Silva. He's wearing this like crazy khaki suit. Um, and they're having this talk that it just feels like inside jokes. Like, and, and I've watched a lot of the movies with the subtitles on, so I can really listen and see what they're saying. Um, and I think it's cool. I think it, it, like aesthetically like it looks really awesome and like super duper funky uh i don't know then there's the great reveal of like his disfigurement i love the disfigurement yeah yeah it's It's creepy it's super creepy creepy. so he took so he's revealing that you know he took the cyanide capsule um you know he bit into his cyanide molar and he didn't die it just really fucked his insides up and it also like ate away most of his face and he has this little like implant into his face that he keeps in that you know he can remove to uh, you know um, you know uh, appear very very scary. Scare the shit out of people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think it's also kind of an interesting callback to uh, I think it was Die Another Day about when uh, the Pierce Brosnan Bond had a like like oh why didn't you take your cyanide pill? He's like I got rid of that years ago or something. And so like. It makes you wonder, okay, does Daniel Craig Bond have a cyanide pill in in his back molar? Um, it's it's definitely interesting. I also was like, why does he have this like this blonde hair and eyebrows? <laughs> like no one talks about yeah. that. Yeah. I think it's because he dyes it. I think he's made to look very vain. Mm. You know? He's like a he's like a magician. He's trying to make you focus on, you know, the uh the wrong thing, the the, the uh, misdirection. Sure. Yeah, the, so he takes the, you know, when he takes the thing out, he transforms into, like, a totally different person. I'm not saying that wouldn't happen, but, like, his eyes, like, so how far up does this thing go? I don't know. It's, just, it's crazy. I, I think. And then, like, implied... and then, like, it almost looks like his cheek has, like, gills or something. Well, I think what's implied is that he doesn't have a cheekbone on the side mm-hmm. that. Um, that had the, the, the capsule in it. And so like the, the device is actually like holding his face up in a lot of ways. So that's why like his eyes sinks in cause, uh, cause like the skin just like, can't believe we're like really going into detail here. Yeah. We got to do <laughs> down, man. <laughs> but I think that's the implication. Got it. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> um, yo, so, all right. So here we have, you know, uh, Q, trying to figure out you know what's going on with this uh um program um and they're trying to figure out what's going on with the computer they plug the computer directly into his system um and then all of a sudden everything starts going crazy and that uh the 
Silva's team or Silva's people or Silva's programming has hacked open all the doors and all these doors start opening up all over MI6. Um, Feels like a pretty short sight on MI6, you know, British Central Intelligence Agency, and they let the bad guy get away. And like they had one guard guarding him. (laughs) One inept guard. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I think, again, it, it shows the cockiness of all of mi6 of m of bond of q like they all think that they're in control and then the rug gets pulled out from underneath them and it's like nope he has been orchestrating this whole thing like and like while we're seeing uh um bond and q looking into the 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 hacking and everything it's intercutting with the the trial with m um and the the ministers or whomever because they're like all the agents that have been dying and everything and the, the leaked, uh, the leaked names and all that. So, um, I don't know. I, I also kind of feel like it's bond, uh, it's bond's fault in a lot of ways. Like he finds that, uh, one phrase that he then puts in and it's just like, everyone goes to hell. So it's like, maybe Q, you shouldn't be listening to this guy that doesn't know anything about hacking. (laughs) (laughs) I, I totally agree with you, but I, I think that, you know, uh, you know, Bond is just like, you know, I don't know. The classic um, phrase that Fleming used to say is just like a, like a cannonball. You know, he's just like being thrust into the action. Um, and this seems very thrustful. Um, and it leads to a great chase. I think the chase is really fun. Um, yeah. And it's super fucking exciting. And I do like the cross-cutting uh, back to... Um, uh, M testifying against you know the ministers and this one lady who's like excoriating her, uh, you know, and you could see that she's like trying to get a word edgewise. She can't even. Um, I, I, it, it's a very exciting, thrilling scene, um, and you know, it, it leads to it leads up to uh, Silva, you know, breaking in to ultimately the office, the big meeting hall where they're having this discussion, and uh, you know fires a couple of shots and you know M is able to escape uh which is crazy um and i also love though like before he breaks in we have uh mallory like well why don't we actually hear from the witness for a, a change and like it's it's interesting because like uh she then tells us like this i think it's a poem yes it's um, a poem. which like alludes to like all this this stuff about the darkness and the shadows and um, I think it's kind of effective in, in maybe convincing the the ministers, like, yeah, there may be a little bit more that uh, the agents can do that uh, we can't just do with a computer. Um, and then, uh, yeah, when, once, once he breaks in and, and starts to shoot and everything goes to shit, like, we do have Mallory kind of jump into action. And, um, you know, we, we are believing, like, okay, he's not just this, like, pencil-pushing guy. Like, he's... I love the wink that Bond gives him when he when he slides him the or when he um, when he takes the shot at the extinguisher. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> it it's it's really classic. Uh, one of the I, I like this whole scene. I like the cross cutting. Um, you know, it's it, to me this whole sequence is very Dark Knight, which is interesting because Dark Knight isn't even the first time like this happened, right? Like where the villain uh, gets caught on purpose. That's I think is seven like in like modern films is like the first time 
you know, and it just feels different. I think when you watch Dark Knight, because there's like there's there is again there's all the cross cutting. There's usually three different scenes that are happening at the same time that you're kind of playing between. There isn't that in this movie, so it's much more direct, and you do get you know a lot more close ups of uh, Bardem kind of running around. You're seeing uh, you know Bond trying to get get at him um, in all these different crazy ways. Uh, it's I don't know I I like this scene I think it's it's just it is very different um, and uh, I, I think that's you know in watching it this time that was the last feeling was like okay it's not it's not really exactly the same thing and people mm-hmm. have done this before. Well, we we a little bit uh, blew past the chase part because uh, we have to watch Bond like go through the tunnel and. Into, oh, the, yeah, into the, the tube. Yes. And um, we have that moment of like, should I get on the train or not? Um, and like, and, and then uh, Silva like blows up the, the train is like, oh, you missed. And it's like, no, I didn't. It wasn't for you. And then the train comes coming through the hole. Like, at least yeah. there wasn't anybody on it. But it's, uh, yeah, all, all part of his plan just to get to M. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. Do, do you guys think that Silva really thought that he was going to be able to, to kill her there in, in the um, in the chambers with the, the ministers in the Chamber of Secrets? <laughs> I think so. I think he, I think so. Me, too. I think he thought he was going to be able to go in there and shoot her. Mm. Had, Bond, had Bond not interfered, I, he probably would have. Yeah, because, right, he had the plan to the train was supposed to fuck up Bond. And then he'd go in. And I think the reason he wanted to get her there was, you know, in front of everybody, you know, in front of the fucking prime minister. Right. And to, to really show that uh, that they're not in control and that they don't truly know what's going on in the shadows. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So from here, this is when the movie changes a lot. Yeah. And, agreed. Uh, you know, like this, you know, I guess act three or, or four, whoever, uh, whatever it is. But yeah. Um, Basically, Bond is like, we, he's been ahead of us at every step of the way. Let's change up the game. Um, and they, so two things, like they have the, the cool Jaguar that he, he basically kidnaps M, and then they go and switch to a different car, the <laughs> the DB5, oh. right? So yeah. AJ, look, we talked about this a few episodes ago um, with that car when he gets it. I tracked it down, around. baby. I know. Um, so, so. It, it's got to be different, or they, he modded it, right? No, no, no. Here's what is going on. Okay. It's the same <laughs> license plate from Goldfinger. For, no, excuse me. The same license plate from Goldeneye, and it has all the exact same build-outs as the original from Goldfinger, which is to say that this is, like, maybe the premier 007 car, and it's probably – and it's also appeared in other films, too – but the last time we've seen it was in uh, the beginning of GoldenEye. Uh, so essentially, this could have been Pierce Brosnan's DB5 that has been on ice since then because it is the exact same license plate. But what about the one that was in Casino Royale? That is not the same license plate, and it is not the. It is a classic DB5. It's not the Bond DB5 from Goldfinger. Okay. This is the DB5 from Goldfinger. Because the one in Casino Royale, and I looked this up, it was like actually um, uh, left-hand drive, and the one here in London is a right-hand drive, and then like it, 
this one is all outfitted with weapons and stuff and the one in Casino Royale, he won from the guy. They had so. to get the Batmobile. This is the Batmobile. <laughs> you know? it's, so, it's so good. You know, and he goes there, he pulls it up, you get the theme. It's super special and awesome. And it, you know, you had to get the you had to get the Millennium Falcon. They need the we need the Millennium Falcon now. You know? It's also it's also the first time we like fully hear the music, the dun 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 the classic Bond like music and like in the film and it's just like it just works so fucking perfectly yeah it's fantastic um so then so we then, drive north to scotland yeah all the way and they and they leave some some breadcrumbs that only silva could follow right like and they they they're going and trying to like set it all up so that they have the upper hand and this movie becomes home alone for <laughs> right. and the sawed off shotgun <laughs> um <laughs> And it's great. It's, it's great. I mean, like, I think what's interesting here um, is like, to me, this part of the movie solidifies that James Bond is a character and not a code name. Like this is he's going home. He's interacting with someone that knows him before he was a secret agent. He knows his name is James Bond. Like, I think it kind of puts to rest any of those theories in my mind. But that- wait. That it's a code name and not a, a, a no an alias. No, that it's his real name, James. Yeah, Bond it's definitely his real, his real name. name. Yes, yes, it's his real name because you see the gravestone of his parents yeah. that say Bond, um, the, and um, yeah, canonically, it's it's, it's, um, it's a little bit of his origin story. You get like the like. There's not really been a James Bond origin story. This is like you get a little slither into that world. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Casino Royale and, and Quantum kind of both do a bit of origins. And every time it, the movie ends, it's like, OK, now we're at like our classic Bond. And we keep thinking that. And then like that happens again in this movie. Like they keep doing a really good job of making it feel like, OK, and now we're at the Bond that, you know. <laughs> like they keep adding new layers to to the character, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. canonically, uh, they re- Fleming revealed how Bond's parents died in the book in Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, that they died in a skiing accident. Um, but you know, I think something that we flagged uh, altogether in the trivia. Uh, is two things. First of all, that maybe the Bonds were Catholic and that they were hiding priests, and that's why they have mm-hmm. this cool little exit. But also that King Cade could have been played by Sean Connery. Right. Um, I think I read that too. I think that would have. Yeah. What do you think, Zb? I, I like the idea. I think the idea of it is super cool, like on paper. But the reality of it is, like, if you saw him in the film i think people would be like what the fuck unless they made him like totally unrecognizable but he's bond he's done that like he's served his role in these in this franchise i don't know that and i think that's ultimately why they killed it but you know yeah. it's a it's a cool nod as a nice and it's also like kind of a bigger role than just like a one-liner or like exactly. someone in the background you know yeah it, it, if it was one scene fine but the guy is in the movie for a lot of screen time and has a lot of lines. And I think it would have been really distracting if it was Connery also like yeah. didn't Connor, when did Connery retire? Like he's been out of the biz for a while. 
Well, the, yeah, he's been out, but they were saying that this was like, that's what Sam Mendes wanted to get him out of retirement to do this thing. And it would take probably something like that to do that, but I, it wasn't, it wasn't perfect. Yeah. I, I get it. I, I can see both sides. I can say like, you know, this wouldn't have, maybe it would have been too distracting. Maybe it would have been awesome and just enough, you know, we'll never know. But I think that's what the final scene at, at Skyfall, the, you know, the ancestral bond estate in uh, Scotland is it's awesome. And I think that it, it has something that like we see, we've never really seen in a third act, which is, Bond stripped away at his lair, you know, like mm. we're always at somebody else's hideaway, somebody else's, you know, big underground bunker. This is his house, <laughs> you know, this is his place. Yeah. And, you know, he's really stripped away of everything. Really? I mean, everything by the end, especially like, uh, yeah, they really go to town on that fucking house. He's like, I never really liked this place anyway. Yeah. I think he's, he's pissed about the car though. Once the he car gets shot, the car. <laughs> he, he just like, ah, oh, these motherfuckers. He doesn't say anything, but the look on his face is so fucking displeased. Yeah. <laughs> I, I take a lot of pleasure in watching like Daniel Craig emote. Like that's yeah. a big thing in these movies. He's very brooding. um but it's cool and like so i i think that well they don't really say it but they have um kincaid calling m emma i I guess that's kind of like yeah like oh i wanted to give her a name like we can't just call her m (laughs) like um right so that's kind of cool um they never really reveal what her name is, but in like i guess in casino royale he was like oh i didn't know m actually stood for something which it's like how do they they pick the job based on like the person's name because Mallory like <laughs> part of the 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 uh, qualifications is your last name needs to start with an M. <laughs> that is a big that is a big draw for this job. <laughs> uh, it's definitely very important. Um, oh, but we didn't talk about it. So okay, um, there's a couple different parts of the ending sequence that I think are significant and worth noting. First, I think is the helicopter. Um, the helicopter was real, uh, on a lot of the, uh, the days and it was so crazy fucking super loud. Um, they did a lot of the stunts practically with either the big house that they did or with a couple of models that they had made. Um, and I I just think that, that, you know, the, just, just the helicopter alone and these goons blowing up this house, like there's a really intense you know, visceral and visual experience. Um, then I also think the next part that's like really crazy is the underwater fight under the ice. <laughs> uh, they, um, yo, they shoot this for real in a tank in, in London, Pinewood, London, where they have like this big bond water tank where they can shoot underwater. Yeah. And it's really Craig under the water, breathing through scuba most of the time to fight this motherfucker and where they're lighting it from underneath to make it look the way it does. That's crazy. Yeah. They have, they, they use those tanks in a lot of films. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that that was practical. That's, that's pretty awesome. Um, it, it looks awesome. I love when, you know, he's on the ice and Sylvia's there and he's just like, this is fucking exhausting. And then bond just shoots it out and he, and Sylvia's just like, ah, fuck. It's not like, again, here we go. Like, it's not over yet. He, I think 
I think he starts to realize that Bond is a little bit um, has a little bit more of an edge than than he originally anticipated. He thought he'd be able to out out smart him or mastermind him, and yeah, and he's proven time and time again that like you know he, he's not going to go down quietly or easily. Yeah, and I, I think like I, when I was watching it the other night, I had like a, an issue with this moment, but like thinking about it now. Like if if Silva's like end goal really is to just go kill M, yeah, then you don't make sure Bond is dead here. Like you just go and you do your job because like he's even willing yeah. for himself to die. Because um, if if he was like I want to get out of this alive, like you you wait for Bond to get out of the ice and then shoot him, right? Like <laughs> right. Like, totally. So I think his he, uh, he had one track one track. He was just like a you know he had a scent and he was on it and he was just like you know a mall. Off to a plane, he just wanted to go get them. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, we like we breezed past a lot of the cool sequences in the house. I think it was really um, done in an awesome way, in the way that they kind of set everything up. Um, and you know, they have like the first trapped it. Yeah, the way they booby trapped it, and they they have like wave one of everyone uh, breaking into the house, and then it's like the helicopter comes in with the music blasting. Um, yeah. And like, there's a moment where it's like, oh, did M just get shot? And like, we don't know until later on that she did. Um, so like, there's like a ticking clock. Then not only uh, are we like going towards the final confrontation, but like we know that M, who you know is a little bit older and maybe is wounded, doesn't maybe have as much time as we would hope. Yeah. This um, I, I you know I. I don't think I rewatched Skyfall after I first saw it in theaters. I mean, I remember the film quite well, but the thing that stood out to me the most was, I think, this end scene. Um, and, like, specifically just, again, the beautiful Roger Deakins photography of the orange hues and the silhouettes and the black, the crushed blacks. Like, just the end, like, I just picture Skyfall and it's like an orange film in my mind. But, like, the end, the last, like, 30 minutes, just everything on fire and just that that stood out the most to me of that of that film um just how that end looked i mean it's just it's insane yeah yeah you so like the last quantum of solace movie like it has no color it has no feeling it has no like style like this movie has so much um just like different levels to like the filmmaking, you know what I mean? Like it's nuanced, it's meta. It it has a lot that it, that it's bringing to the table beyond just you know trying to tell another great Bond story. And I think that does really add up to a film that like we've never why Bond I think achieves something here it may never achieve again. Um, and then just to kind of like wrap up this final scene in the chapel. Um, you know, so, uh, Kincaid and M have made it up to the place. Silva walks in, uh, he sees M, M is wounded at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, he kind of goes up and is, you know, beginning to monologue against her and, you know, she looks really frightened. I think Judy Dench like does some really fucking kick-ass acting and in a way that like she's so committed to it and, and you, the relationship and chemistry she has with Daniel Craig is so great. Um, you feel their emotion, their relationship and, you know, and then he walks in the door and he's like, you know, I'm the second rat. Like that's the fucking, he's the fucking man. Yeah. Well, and I think what ZB was saying before about like stripping bond down, like, 
He doesn't have his his house, his car, like any weapons, and it's all down to just a knife. And he just stabs him in the back. And yeah, it's it's so like it's so tastefully done. And um, yeah, I think it's a really interesting way. And you see him just like stumbling back towards him, like, man, really, this is how I'm going out, and and that's it. Um, well, well, back into the when they were the three of them were in the Skyfall mansion before, you know, they, there's, yeah. What's the, what's the character's name? Uh, the dude, Kincaid. Kincaid. He's like, you know, showing what he has and he's like, and the knife, you know, some, sometimes the old things are, you know, they repeat the line about shaving. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, the old things work the best and that's what he ends up using. It's like, yeah, it's a good catch. Yeah. I mean, like they didn't, they don't have that many weapons. They have to be kind of crafty here. Um, yeah. but you know, and that's and it's kind of a cool way to to kill off like a big cyber villain, right? Like this guy that think he's has all this control, um, and he he's forcing him out and and to fight him and you know just to to go down with a blade, is, is really really a good poetic end for him. Yeah. And then you have the I think the coolest and uh, you know my lasting memory of this of this movie is the shot of Bond on the roof looking out over London in the morning. Uh, mm so epic so batman so that i i said the exact same thing as we were watching it um and the other great thing is uh they have this beautiful score of this like brass choir that's that's playing over um they had it earlier when they were playing over the 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 funeral um with the other agents but they have it here for m2 and it's just like so moving and um i really love that moment um just really adds, adds another layer Totally. Do they not fly? And maybe I'm wrong about this or thinking too much about it, but do they not fly flags at half mass in England? And if so, would wouldn't M's death be a reason to fly them? Because you see so many flags. I feel like specifically for that reason, I'm like, hmm, shouldn't those flags be lowered because of you know her value? But I, I don't know. Maybe I, was I don't sure. know. That, that might be a U.S. custom. I'm not sure. Yeah. No, the U.S. the U.S. flags can go to half mast, um, but uh, they you know it's the same reasons like they they do it to mourn stuff. I don't know if the death of M is uh you know as significant big, yeah yeah mm. as big as like a prime minister or somebody else who is more in the public eye or at least um, one of the ones like on the building or something. I don't know. Just seems like it could have been a nod, but you're right. I mean, MI6 is always about, I guess, you know, secret intelligence, and you don't want to allude to something that you know could have been a weakness, a sign of weakness. Yeah, and then this movie starts like how most Bond movies probably begin. <laughs> right, right. Here's your next yeah. mission. Are you ready to accept? Yeah. And okay, so here's where I have a little issue. Oh, I'm excited now. We this is a long, long talk for Frank's issue. So, uh, we see them interact. We see him and Money Penny interact on the roof, and they have this exchange with the bulldog, and um, which is also kind of a nod back to when she calls him an old dog with new tricks, kind of thing. Yes. So, and then they go inside, and she gets to her desk, and two and a half hours later, we finally hear her name. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just doesn't make sense. Like. Couldn't they have been calling her like Agent Something or Eve or something that would like 
throughout the movie when they were working together that she had some name and then just eventually reveal that she's Money Penny. I feel like it, it unless I missed it and that they call her something through or like maybe it was in the marketing that they called her Eve. I don't know, but it just I think they call her Eve earlier in the film between each other. Okay. Um we I can't I can't nail that down. We'd have to do a rewatch for that. <laughs> uh but yes, I I they think by properly introduced they do mean her last name. Yeah. Uh I can't imagine that they wouldn't have some kind of code name or something to talk to each other by. Uh, this also implies that, like, you know, when he's referring to Vesper in Casino Royale and she's like, I am the money, every penny of it, yeah. it has nothing to do with money penny. Exactly. That's just an Easter egg. <laughs> um, um, and yeah, it, it's also kind of an interesting it, – well, this came out the same year as Dark Knight Rises, right? And, like, they have a similar beat yeah. with Robin. Sure. That's true. Ooh. That's true. Um, it's it, – Think of 2012 as a year for movies. It's a pretty crazy year for movies. You have Avengers, Prometheus. Uh, you know, there was a lot coming out. And I think, you know, it, it does mark kind of a uh, a turn kind of in the way movies started coming out after that. Uh, I think Avengers was a big part of that and why we see what happened next in Spectre. Uh, and I think that kind of... Uh, the spectacle of those other movies, like if you think of the way that like Avengers like looks and feels compared to the way Skyfall looks and feels like it feels like you're either reading like some like shitty, like back page, like like, comic strip, or you're like looking at a photography magazine Mm, or a photography book on a table. Like it's just two different levels of product. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it, I like that Skyfall's in that year and in that era. Yeah, and I like that they've taken Bond from this place. I mean, like, you know, the older films are, like, so campy and, and kind of corny at times. Like, this this really makes it kind of a badass movie that, that that's, like, that just stands on its own as being, like, an entertaining film. Like, it doesn't need to be associated with, like, it's like a lot of comic book films are like they have a different tone or this and that, but you're like, this is a superhero film, you know? This um, sure. This transcends that a little bit, and, and to your to your point at the beginning of the podcast that you know, this is um, this is an artful film in a lot of ways. Yes, it's still a big action film and very much a Hollywood blockbuster by no sense, by no stretch of the imagination is it not, but. I think, um, you know, the pairing of Mendez and, you know, a darker, deeper Craig in the script and Deacons, it just it definitely elevates it to a to a more cinematic place. Yeah. And and the world agreed, you know, this is the highest grossing Bond film ever. It made a billion dollars. It's the highest grossing Bond film at the highest grossing film period in the UK. Um, it, they it, this movie did tremendously well. Um, and uh, you know, it's, I don't know, like I'm excited, but I'm so nervous now to go back and watch Spectre in a way that after we finished talking about it like this on quantum, I was like so ready and raring to watch Skyfall. (laughs) Right. I I, I mean, I remember Spectre being a bit of a disappointment because, because it was so hard to follow this up. I mean, this was like, you know, Casino Royale and Quantum Solace are both good films, but Skyfall was like, you weren't. You weren't expecting that. The expectation wasn't there. 
the expectation is totally there now with this film. And you bring back Sam Mendes. You're like, all right, it's going to be, we're going to get it again. We're going to do Skyfall too. But it, I think it falls short, short of that status. I think it's still an entertaining film, but I think it, it has a lot more problems and um, doesn't work as well from what I remember. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, it'll be interesting to go back and watch it. But I, the other piece to it is like, well, how are they going to end the, you know, with Daniel Craig's final movie? Like, is it going to, like, are they going to be able to elevate it back up to Skyfall level? Or is it going to be somewhere in the middle? Like, will it feel like a good send off for him? Or, um... I, I don't know. They went the way of, like, they had a traditional but a super acclaimed director on. And Danny Boyle, and then he got fired or left, probably fired. Um, and then, you know, they went back and, and got Kari Fukunama, who, again, a young, proven, but, like, still, like, a young director, um, definitely accomplished, but definitely in the, like, you know, indie hip filmmaking world. That's definitely going to, maybe he'll do what, you know, Mendez did for Skyfall with Bond. Well, Carrie is Fukunaga is also big in True Detective one, right? Yeah, I mean that that was his that's his thing. That was that's where he got his big claim to fame. You know, like I just think that they are. I like that they're chasing like people who have some kind of artistic vision or some kind of like 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 uh, artistic thread to them, as opposed to like just like another big like director. Um, right. Before we get to ratings, I do want to like talk about this real quick. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about how this movie is so influenced by, you know, the Dark Knight, I think. And Mendez, you can see in the stuff, he even says that, too. Uh, it's interesting to me that, like, Nolan, you know, it hasn't come up yet or, like, hasn't had his shot. Uh, do either of you guys want to see a Nolan James Bond? Um, and, like, what do you think, like, he could do that could up what they've done in Skyfall or what they can do in the next two films? Um there's so many reasons why it would work. You know, Nolan being English, an admirer of the franchise, um, great action film, great filmmaker in general. Um, but I feel like there's reservation for so many reasons. One, because he likes to, and he's one of the few directors that can do whatever the fuck he wants. You know, it's like, right. he's already essentially made a James Bond film in you know, Veins of the Dark Knight, you know, I think he touched upon a big franchise. It's like, are you going to go do another one? I don't know. Maybe if he gets tired of coming up with original, crazy, mind-bending ideas, he would be like, yeah, I, I could give that a go. But I feel like he's not at that. He's not there yet. And maybe one day he will be, but he's not there yet. And, and um, but it, it would be fucking cool to see. I, I just, it, I, I don't want him to overcomplicate it either. You know, his films are so fucking, you know, outside of the Batman films, you know, and, you know, even Dark Knight Rises to some degree is a little confusing, but, you know, his other films are so fucking just like a mind fuck. I guess. Dense. Yeah. I mean, it could be cool in the Bond world, but I feel like Bond needs a little bit more of a commercial appeal. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think if it were going to happen, it would have had to happen already um, because I, I don't think you would want to do a, a Christopher Nolan, James Bond 
um, with a brand new bond, right? So like if we're gonna if we're gonna be in like three years or four years from now with a, a new actor, I, I I can't imagine them starting with like a Nolan film. Um, so yeah yeah and so yeah i agree i think that they did a he was able to do a lot of those scenes in the the batman movies and maybe to a degree like i don't know yeah his movies are so crazy like inception and um and this upcoming one tenant like i don't know i I think he's he's able to explore some of those ideas in in those movies like this the spy stuff or the the, i mean they had he had a war movie too dunkirk so i don't know i if he was interested in it and he was going to do it, I would support it and I would probably enjoy it. But, um, I think, I think I'm okay without it. Yeah. And it sounds like they're skewing towards like, you know, with this pick for Carrie, you know, they're, I think they're looking for maybe younger, hipper up and coming directors than kind of the established guns. And maybe I'm wrong. Cause they originally had Danny Boyle, who is like the exact opposite of Carrie Fukunama. It's kind of a head scratcher. It's like, how do you go from like an Academy Award winning acclaimed director who's been directing for like, you know, 30, 40 years to a super talented young up and coming director who, you know, has a couple movies under his belt. Um, you know, it, it, it's like, who knows where they're going? Mm-hmm. All right, ZB. Well, thank you again so much for joining us on this uh episode uh covering skyfall uh it's it's been a a fun ride to talk through everything with you um we all really love this film um do you have any final thoughts on skyfall before we let you go um sure yeah i mean aj and i were talking before i watched it and he's just like just watch it's a good movie and i agree it's a good movie you know it's like it doesn't doesn't overcomplicate it but it's just like it's an enjoyable film to watch it's super entertaining the whole time. I mean, I love the direction and I love the cinematography. I mean, the, the biggest thing I remember about the film is the explosions. And, but like, not just like big Hollywood explosions, but like beautifully photographed, like the, that last 30 minutes, any of those scenes, any of those shots, you could pause the movie, cut it out and hang on your wall and be like, this is beautiful photography. Like every one of them is just like an amazing shot. So um, I really appreciate it from a filmmaking standpoint. Um, it's my favorite James Bond film to date. Um, and I think it's going to be probably the ones we'll remember Daniel Craig for. You know, we haven't seen No Time to Die yet, so this could all change. And I kind of have high hopes for that film. I want to see how they send him off. But I feel like for now, Skyfall is where my heart is. And it was a... Uh, was super enjoyable to go back and rewatch it so thank you guys for uh, the invitation of course man thank you for coming on man sweet all right buddy well we will we'll let you go and uh we'll uh definitely bring you back on sometime soon uh i'm sure we'll find something else to chat about uh outside of james bond um or if you want to come back on a, another james bond episode let us know that could be fun to go back to <laughs> we'll do maybe i'll come back for the um for no time to die in the fall. Ooh. All right, mark your calendars, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> See you in four months. <laughs> All right. Thank All right. you, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Bye, guys. Bye. Everybody, we're back. Um, we had to say goodbye to our good friend Matt ZB, um, but we wanted to wrap up the episode. Um, we really appreciate him coming on. It was a blast to 
break down Skyfall with him. Uh, but we wanted to go through our ratings of Skyfall to keep up with our James Bond rating scale for all the movies so far. Um, yes. AJ, what do you think about this movie? Well, I think this, you know, judging by our, our ending scores up front, this is our favorite one so far. Uh, I think it's received the best scores uh, in aggregate from me of any of the movies. Uh, and, you know, I was kind of saving, you know, my ratings for this one because I think this one really denotes it of the scale that we have. Now, we've talked that, you know, maybe the scale may need to change or other things may need to be amended. But I think even still, you know, with this movie, it still kind of holds up. Yeah, I think it does. Um, I, you know, there are some things that I've thought through as we've watched, you know, this is our seventh one. I'm like, oh, maybe we could add this category or add that category. But the ones we have have been pretty consistent. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I was definitely holding out some of my high marks uh, knowing that this movie was coming. Um, and, you know, from there, from here on out, like, it's kind of, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's get right down to it. So I think uh, for opening sequence, you got to give this one a 10. I think the way that, or, you know, it unfolds, as Sam Mendes says, you know, kind of like a Russian doll and that it, you know, it kind of keep, goes into this, into this, into this. Uh, I, I like that. I think it's really inventive and I've never seen it before done. Uh, really appreciated it. What about you? Yeah, I also gave it a 10. Um where like we've given high marks, uh, you know, for some of the Pierce Brosnan ones, and those are really exciting, entertaining sequences. Um, this one just like from the car to the to the way that it, it opens with just like a shot on his eyes, uh, you, like you're in the middle of the action. That's one of the things I really like about it, and they explain, you know, this this chase why they're chasing him and then at the end bond gets shot and i mean like we know we're about to go through a james bond movie so we can't have him die at the beginning but like the stakes are so high it does it's almost like kind of its own separate movie in a way uh yeah i like that aspect of it and for you know this one tens both of us opening sequence boom okay plot uh i'm gonna go with a seven on this one i know that you know um I'm I'm kind of a stickler on this one, but I think that this one is a little bit convoluted in terms of what they're trying to put forward, and I think it's one of the things that detract from the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, so my hope is that you know uh, there's other things down the line we, that'll make up for this score, but at least for me, the plot is at a seven on this one. I gave it a nine. Um, it's not perfect, but I and, and maybe it's because. Um... A couple of rewatches will will help with it. Um, I think on the first time through, it's like it's definitely there are some twists and surprises. Um, but now at this point, I know what's happening, and I know um, kind of that the movie, you know, holds back a lot of the the story until about halfway through, and you're just kind of following this thread. Um, but I, I think it's less confusing than like um, some of the earlier uh, like. Casino Royale, I think that you know has a little bit too many MacGuffins, and like this one, it's just pretty straightforward. So I I really enjoy it, and you know, I think yeah. it, it holds up. Uh, okay, uh, gadgets, cue, and a car. This one got a ten out of me because it was the first time we had some. First of all, a new cue. Uh, second of all, the return of some light gadgetry, 
And then third, the return of the DB5, the, uh, and which really represents, I think, in this movie, the Batmobile. And uh, mm-hmm. I think for all those reasons, it definitely gets a 10 for me. I gave it a 9. Um, I I agree with you. I think that having Q back is, is really big. I think it's um, really cool portrayal. Um, I like that there is some light gadgets. Uh, you know, the reason I would I mark it down is like, there's not a lot, but I think that it's kind of being realistic. And there's not a MI6-issued vehicle. Like, I like that he has the, the DB5, but um, it would be cool if there's a, here's your car, and here's the, the, the cool things it does, um, or, or at least some sort of un, unspoken, like, here's what you got. Sure, sure. Uh, I, I feel you. So I'm going to go th- for the next uh, round. It's going to be Bond Girls. Uh, so... I gave this one a five. Um, the reason I'm going to give it a five is because it was before I really thought about, you know, kind of uh, Judy Dench being the Bond girl. And I'm going to change my score here yet again. And I'm going <laughs> to give it up to a seven. Um, yeah. Because I think that if you think about Judy Dench as the Bond girl here, uh, it really does, I think, help to change how the movie is restructured in your mind. Uh, yep. and helps to kind of minimize the rapiness of it. What do you think? Yeah, that's why I gave it a seven. <laughs> yeah. um, because I was thinking uh, of Judy Dench as the Bond girl. And I think um, having Money Penny in there um, as, you know, another maybe Bond girl agent on the side, but eventually we re- it's revealed that she's Money Penny um, is good. You know, adding another character to the, you know, the old the old guard that we would expect. And then right. um, Severine is just sort of meh. So that's why like yeah. it, it doesn't go much higher for me. Um, and I, yeah, I do feel bad for her as a character that I, I, she didn't have as much to do plot wise. So that's, you know, that's why. Um, all right. So moving villain. right along the villain. Okay. So, you know, I think again, so I, I think this movie, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it suffers from a little bit of an expositional problem in that, I think you do really need to be reading the captions and really, really, really paying attention to fully grasp like where Silva is coming from and what happened and, you know, maybe understanding, you know, reading it out, like what was going on, because I don't think on my first watch I did. Mm. Having said that, I think uh, Javier Bardem's performances like really stand out and very fun and very different for a lot of the Bond villains that we've ever seen before. So that's why I went with eight. I went with nine. Um, I think that uh, his motivations are clear. I think you can sympathize with him. I think there's a personal connection, whether it be to Bond specifically, but more so to M, who is kind of the co-lead of this movie in a lot of ways. Um, He's menacing. He chews the scenery. He's got the disfigurement. Um, and he's like winning the majority of the movie. Um, yes, and I think I think it's a it's a really cool portrayal, and uh, you know, uh, th- yeah, I, I think the, the only reason why it doesn't have further marks is like like you said, uh, we we don't really understand. Um, like we didn't see him. There's no flashback sequence. There's no like something that like we just have to go on faith of what they talk about about him. Exactly. You know? Exactly. 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 Uh, physical antagonist, I think this movie goes up for me to a nine based on that guy we're following it throughout the first third of the movie. That guy is a badass. Uh, uh what, wait, Patrice, what's his name? 
Patrice, yeah. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he's definitely the physical antagonist, and it's like he's working for Silva, but we never see them interact with each other. Um, but he's clearly like we we have them fight twice. You know, it's like <laughs> that's right. important. He's established that he's not just a one-off guy that he's going after. Um, so you gave it a nine. I gave it an eight. Um, I think. Uh, I, does he talk? <laughs> I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. He's no, it, to be do- it totally doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but no, it's really really great. Some excellent action sequences and the whole train fight. Obviously, we already talked about the opening sequence. Like, it's it's fantastic. Uh, okay, so on to Bond performance. Uh, no surprise here. We both gave this a ten out of ten. Um, as much, you know, it's interesting. As much as Daniel Craig goes on to say how much he hated this movie, you can't see it in his performance here. I don't think. No. Uh, he's so fucking committed and. It, I think he loves this, the plot, and you can you feel all of Bond's emotions through him. Uh, I think this is his landmark performance. This is his legacy moment. Uh, definitely ten out of ten. Yeah, I mean, you, you pretty much nailed it. Um, I, I think uh, out of the the ones that we've seen, this is his definite peak. I mean, we'll see what happens with No Time to Die, but uh, it's this is a. Uh, this is and, and you know and it sucks. This is another one where he he loses uh, somebody he cares about a lot. And, yeah. Um, but he and he almost dies again. <laughs> so uh, you can really feel his uh, like at the beginning of the movie where he's drinking and he's got a scruffy beard. It's like this is he's really he's really uh, leveling it up and uh, dialing it in as a as Bond here. He's figured it out. You know, like he's no longer digging into who Bond is. He's established that, and now it's right. about to put Bond through the gr- one of the greatest trials he's ever faced up to this point, mm-hmm. you know. And that's why, you know, I went back and changed this one for legacy and continuity, uh, and gave this a ten um, because I think that, regardless of what happens in the next movie, the unfortunate kind of le- uh, you know f- following of Spectre will kind of hinders like you know uh i i think the whole of like the overarching story story they were trying to tell maybe it'll be redeemed we don't know but you know i think if we're going to be looking at what we're going to remember craig by it's definitely going to be this movie or at least for me i think this is his best outing to me casino royale is a great origin story it does a lot for bond it plays off a classic actual ian fleming story all that, uh, you know, going forward, yes, on this, on the other side of that, this is like a true dyed-in-the-wool formulaic Bond film in, in the terms of what all the things you have on paper. And I think that the the way that the film was executed and received, uh, you know, make it to be that level of uh, importance. Yeah. You convinced me. I changed my score from a 9 to a 10. Sure. <laughs> um, legacy... Yeah, this is the this is our favorite Bond uh, movie so far. Uh, this is our favorite performance of Daniel Craig's. Um, it it not only like when, what we were talking about before, how like all, most Bond movies stand on their own as uh, you know you don't need to do a lot of homework. Like this one had the continuity and decided to throw it out the window to make a great film. Yeah, not just a great Bond movie, a great film and. Um, I think that really is going to stand the test of time um, and we'll be able to, I mean, like it's, 
it's eight years old. It doesn't feel feel eight years old, and not um, even a little bit. Yeah, not even a little bit. And so maybe continuity wise, like yeah, but I, I don't think anything was um, backtracked at all. Like all the th- events of the previous films are still believable to have happened, um, and obviously moving forward, we know that they take the elements of this movie. Like no, jo- Judy Dench is no longer M like uh, Mallory's there. M- Money Penny's there. Q's there. So it's like, it's not like they're just throwing that out the window and, and, you know, going back to a cookie cutter formula. Um, sure. So it's relevant. Uh, special effects. 10. I, I think the, well, really that goes to Deacons. Like if you were to think of like, maybe we should te- change this category to like technical achievements. You know what I mean? Like, mm. like this movie is just like, it's, it, like we talked, we got to talk about it with ZB, who you know has, is in Hollywood. He works on some like production stuff. Like, you know, probably learned and was taught, you know, from Roger Deakins stuff, you know, in school. You know, uh, this movie feels, you know, heads and shoulders above what they did in Quantum of Solace. Uh, it just feels <laughs> real. It feels grounded, but it's also beautiful. I agree. Ten out of ten. Um, it's. Uh there are so many sequences that are, are memorable and um, you know, where like, I think back to die another day and there was a, the, the, the sequence where they they're fighting on the hovercrafts and it's like all green screened and, and gross. Like there's everything here feels real. Um, there's just like the, the shots are so beautifully done and it gives in, it enhances the performances too. Right. Like, yeah. I think that's and the other thing, I mean, Daniel Craig driving the fucking, uh, the the crane onto the the train, and he think he opens the train with the thing, and then he jumps into the thing, and he, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It's so good. It's and awesome. I, and and just and like the 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 walking shot of, uh, I mean, this doesn't have any anything to do special effects wise, but like you said, like the artful direction, um, walking um, Silva's like monologue, like that's just it's different. It's it feels different. Um, uh, score and the song. So I, tra- I, I lowered this back down to a nine after having it at a 10. Um, only because as much as I do love the Adele song, I don't love the score of this movie so much. Mm. It has a lot of like Zimmerisms, I think that it's going for. Yeah. And it just doesn't feel, um, it, it loses itself to born sounds and like stuff we heard in GoldenEye and other places that really change it up from how it sounded in Casino Royale, which is so sweeping and beautiful and epic. And I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, yeah, I gave it a nine. Um, I agree. There are some weird like electronic things that I think are starting to sound a little dated in my mind. Um, they use the score, uh, you know, the Bond theme throughout in, in certain bits. They, they use the song in certain bits, and I think that's really good. I, I mentioned the the brass choir thing that they played a few times. I love that. Um, and, you know, the Adele song, I think, is really strong. But again, like, <laughs> you said the name of the movie in your song. <laughs> so that, that's yeah. why it's not perfect for me. So wrapping this up, uh, I gave this a 90. Frank gave this a 91. This is our highest ranked so far. Uh, wow. Um, yeah. This is what I was expecting, though. I, yes. I figured that we would give out some 10s. I figured that we would both get to 90 at least. And uh, But will we get this high again? 
we don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think the next tens I'd be saving for are going to be like um, Golden, uh, excuse me, Goldfinger, uh, uh, You Only Live Twice. Uh, you know, I think, um, you know, I'm looking forward to talking about uh, Moonraker. Um, you know, there's going to be some other ones in there that I can. I'm saving some tens for too, so don't don't worry, kids. There's gonna be yeah. there's still good bond left in the in the holster. Um, so yeah, uh, this has been a really awesome and sweeping episode, and just uh, want to say thank you guys for tuning in and sticking with us this whole time. Uh, Frank, is there anything else you'd like to wrap up and say on Skyfall at this time? No, that's I think that pretty much covers it. Um, really enjoy this movie and um, glad we watched it again. And it's definitely one that I will continue to return to. Um, I may even watch it again later this year, right before uh, No Time Ooh. to Die. We'll see. If I watch it again, I'm definitely going to watch it with the Sam Mendes commentary. Ooh. Uh, okay, so everybody, thank you so much for uh, tuning in again. Uh, to our friends in Ireland who are listening, thank you guys so much. Keep tuning in. Thank you. Uh, all right. We are Long Lost Heroes Podcast. You can find us online, www.longlostheroes.net. You can email us, info at longlostheroes.net. You can find us on our social media pages, at LLH Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like, please subscribe and rate, review our podcast on you know, everything from Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we're on it. Uh, I'm AJ. And I'm Frank. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. Good week. All right. Thanks. Thanks.